uh, the the choice of the gospel is to say, I'm going to speak truthfully, even though it may cost me something. I am going to choose to serve you instead of serving myself, and that will cost me something. I'm yeah. going to choose to step in and speak um, to to push back on evil in the world around me, even though it will cost me something. That's the sort of work we're talking about. And then the second level is I'm going to disadvantage myself for the sake of others. And so I'm going to look at a situation. I'm going to step into my household and say, even though I deserve to get my way, I'm going to choose to help my son do what brings him joy, which is to record this funny little podcast <laughs> about superheroes, you know, like that's not, there's, it's funny and it's cute, but the, the seventh time you do, it's less funny. It's less cute. Um, and, but it brings him joy. And so I choose to disadvantage myself. I look at, um, right now I'm in the middle of, uh, advocating for the, this zoning rewrite in our city. And I think that it will be an important part of creating affordable housing in our city. It costs me something in time and in effort and in even my reputation to say, I think that this is worth pursuing and that it will be good for our city because it means that there will come opposition and there will be people who will, who will label me a certain way, but I choose that because it's important and it's worthwhile. Yeah. So that's the sort of pain that we're stepping into, just like Jesus in the Holy Week, where he marches towards Golgotha rather than away from it. Mm -hmm. He chooses to suffer and die on our behalf. And that's the work every day of the Jesus-shaped journey is to accept the call, to step into the challenge, to move through the cross, the, the death to self, so that we can be alive in Christ and experience the transformation that comes through suffering. All right, welcome back everybody uh, to our pre-Easter Palm Sunday Instagram Live interview. Um, I am so grateful to be back with you all, spending this Holy Week preparing our hearts for the reality of Good Friday as well as the reality of Easter. So I just want to start out this um, episode um, with a Madeline Langle quote I love. Um, you probably know Madeline Langle from her novel A Wrinkle in Time, um, but she's a she actually was a prolific writer of all sorts, including a lot of like theology nonfiction um, and she has a quote that says there are times when I feel that God has withdrawn from me and I have often given him cause but Easter is always the answer to my God my God why hast thou forsaken me um, and I feel like what we've been talking about um, last week and then also today um, what we're going to talk about today um that's just a good place to start thinking how Easter is the response to our suffering and our aloneness that we often feel. Um, so last week, Robert talked about the suffering of Holy Week, which is sandwiched in between two celebratory so Sundays. Um, and we often skip over that suffering in between, um, which Robert um, talked about how that does our soul a great disservice. 
Um, the truth and hope of Easter loses impact if we skip over Jesus' conscious choices to move into a place of suffering and pain because, because it is in those choices that we see Jesus accompanying us through our own suffering and pain and turning it into something radically new and different and good. So, um, if you miss Sunday, here's a little recap for you. Uh, Robert talked about the last temptation of Jesus, his choice to move towards the suffering of Good Friday. Um, every step of Holy Week is a choice, and he asked us, will we choose to avoid pain at all costs, speeding through discomfort and seeking after pleasure, or will we, like Jesus, slow down and move towards the pathway of formation, facing the demons, and knowing that suffering and transformation is the fruit of the kingdom? Um, and we're going to just jump in right there. Maybe, maybe. Hello. There we go. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. Good. Every time, it always takes longer than I think it's going to, to connect the video and I'm always like maybe this is going to be the time it doesn't go but it always does oh I'm losing you a little bit there we go excellent I'll ask you for a second can yeah, you we're back. okay yep okay great I can hear you yep perfect all right so hi welcome Thank thanks you. for joining us today um I would just love to uh jump in um with a quote that you read to us um, at our staff meeting um, a few months ago. Um, it's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. about moving into suffering instead of away from it. Um, can you just read that quote and then share with us kind of what you shared with the staff when you read it? Um, and I feel like it connects a lot with what you were talking about on Sunday and it meant a lot, so much to me that I was hoping you could share it again. Well, I, I don't necessarily remember what I said to the staff, but I did look up the quote again. So <laughs> here it is. I have to uh, say the same thing. It was just, it meant yeah. a lot to me last time you read it. And I was like, I just feel like everyone should hear that. Yeah, this is a, it's actually a letter to a guy um, from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he's, he's talking about a trip to India. And this way he says, I, I'm in total agreement with all of you that you said in the letter. I've been convinced for a long time that the Gandhian method of nonviolence coupled with the Christian doctrine of love is the most powerful weapon available to oppressed people in their struggle for human dignity. The American Negro has not even scratched the surface in utilizing this potent weapon. It's my hope that as the Negro plunges deeper into the quest for freedom and justice that he'll plunge even deeper into the philosophy of nonviolence. The Negro all over the South must come to the point that he can say to his white brother, we will match your capacity to inflict suffering with our capacity to endure suffering. Mm. We'll meet your physical force with soul force. We will not hate you, but we will not obey your evil laws. We will soon wear you down by our capacity to suffer. So in winning the victory, we will not only win freedom for ourselves, but we will also so appeal to your heart and conscience that you will be changed also. The victory will be a double victory. We will defeat the evil system and win the hearts and souls of the perpetrator of the evil system. 
I, I touched on this in a sermon a couple weeks ago. I, I think that this is the plan of God cosmically beyond the work of re restoring and redeeming humanity. I think that God hopes, God still hopes that those angels who are his, his enemies, his tr true enemies who are working to destroy creation, I think that he's hoping in the same way that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. does, that in taking on their suffering by stepping into humanity and by taking on all the cost of the, the, the destruction meted out through the evil one and his, his accomplices, I think mm -hmm. that God still hopes that he will win over not just humanity, but even those fallen angels that are part of his creation that he still loves and wants to redeem. Now, I can't, I can't back that up with some sort of scriptural, um, like, clear way that God says that, but I think that that's God's heart. God's heart is to look at all things and to say, instead of dominating you and taking on the tools of the enemy through violence, coercion, shame, um, destruction as a, as a way to get you to do what I want to do. I'm going to win you over by becoming what you need to become and taking on the pain of what you've done. So, so Easter and good, this, this week of Holy week is the perfect reenactment of, of this reality that God is making himself the suffering servant from Isaiah 53 and, and taking on the cost of all of the brokenness of this world so that we might enter in and be transformed and renewed and redeemed. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing I love about it, too, is how he, he uses the words like our capacity for suffering, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, he says uh, we'll match your capacity to inflict suffering with our capacity mm -hmm. to endure suffering. Yeah, um, I, I watch a lot of action movies because they're mindless and don't require anything of me. But in action <laughs> movies. Uh, there's always some sort of torture scene because that's the way to move the story forward and to get information out of somebody. Yeah. But when you find somebody whose capacity to suffer is greater than the one who's inflicting the suffering, then what happens is the one who is receiving the suffering is, is victorious. And that's like, I, I love that picture that God literally overcomes evil's capacity to inflict suffering by his capacity to accept and receive suffering. And that transforms the world around us, right? Like if, if the world can, mm -hmm. can meet out suffering that we can overcome, that's that um, revelation is filled with, I think it's like 20 times that uses the word nikao, which is the overcomers, the ones who mm -hmm. would overcome. And that's, that's how we're described as God's people is the one who overcome the suffering of this world to participate in his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right, so jumping, going from there as like a jumping point um, and transitioning back a little bit to what you were talking about Sunday. Um, I, so I just think, I, I've been thinking about how often we skip from the like, like you said, like happy Palm Sunday, the happy Easter, and we lose all the bit in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, that really has been hitting me. Um, I think so I just like in my own personal experience with Easter, I think I've talked about it on one of these interviews before. Um, but I actually I have a pretty hard time with Easter. I think maybe because I like grew up, you know, very in the church. Um, it just like doesn't hit 
most of the time. Like I want to feel all the feelings that everybody else seems to be feeling. Um, but I often come into Easter just feeling pretty like, eh, about it, which is like this. And then it's the whole like, this feels bad. Like I should care about this more than I find myself caring about it. And I have a hard time like letting the reality of what happened like sink in. Um, and I've been wondering, like maybe that's because I have like missed the suffering or like not let myself think about that suffering that leads up to Easter. That's in between the happy Sundays. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, um, this season also, especially I'm finding myself like wishing for Easter and like longing for Easter more than I have in the past maybe because it's been an endless winter and also because I've just like, I've had a lot of like personal suffering this last Lent. Um, anyways, all of this to say, how do you think, like, do you think those things are connected us being able to really connect with Easter and also sit in that suffering? Um, and then how do you think that that, that taking the time to sit in Holy Week impacts the way that we like as a capital C church experience the good news of Easter. How do you think that that changes things? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. We, we joke about it with our, with our team about like people who work at churches hate the holidays in general because mm -hmm. uh, you put a lot of effort into them and you're, you're planning Easter for four months and there's, it's a lot of work for, you know, some people to show up. And, and when we're talking about, about like Easter in particular, I've been to 40, this is my 40th year on earth. And I've been to 40 Fridays and I've been to 40 Easter services, probably, probably closer to 50 Easter services if we're including sunrise services and, yeah. you know, multi-services at big, big churches. Mm -hmm. um, so like I've, I've even prepared, I'm not, not preaching this Easter for the first time uh, since I've been a pastor, and I'm really glad because I've preached Easter a lot, and I'm I'm tired of saying the same things. It's hard to it's hard to find new space. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Easter, so I think there's a familiarity that breeds contempt. That's just a part of something yeah. that's so familiar. Yeah. Um, but I think that a huge piece of that is that it's a foregone conclusion. The resurrection is is this um, we know about it, and it's it's not as surprising. It doesn't hit like, you know, that first, that first Easter had to be good. Right. <laughs> it had to be like, Oh my gosh. Like, right. you know, everybody's just Absolutely. like losing their minds about like Jesus yeah. is alive. Um, mm -hmm. And so like really, really good news that first time. And we're, we're trying to reenact it. Like that's why we have it in our schedule. That's why we live into it every single spring is to remind ourselves that hope is coming. And yeah. I think that, the problem is you've had a really easy life and you know, you've had struggles, but you've had a really easy life. Yeah. I think that people who have lots of suffering like you've had in this season, all of a sudden rebirth sounds like really good news. Mm -hmm. And the hope of the kingdom coming in power sounds like really good news. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's why Easter is meant for those. That's why we're talking about Martin Luther King Jr. And he talks about like those who are oppressed people who struggle for human dignity those around the world who are being oppressed are saying, I need Easter. Good Friday yeah. feels like it every day. I'm living in mm. the suffering and death of this world all the time. Yeah. And I'm hoping for a God who not only comes and dies for me, but a God who overcomes for me. 
And so, so that's like, we have to, Good Friday is important and Monday, Thursday is important and Passover is important. And like the Monday, the overturning of the tables and Palm Sunday, because it, it shows what I talked about this week, this choice after choice after choice where Jesus says, I'm going to move towards death and suffering for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Because I really believe that my suffering brings life. That's the power yeah. of it. Yeah. Can you connect that a bit um, also with like the pace of the week? You talked about, um, you said we need to slow down the story um, and pay attention to what Jesus is doing. Um, and I feel like that like pace of things also sometimes um, changes the impact that it has on us um so can you talk a bit about like the necessity of slowing down and how how quickly or slowly we move through things how that can change the way that we work through it yeah depending on how you break up the gospels themselves they each do this where they kind of rush through jesus's ministry and they they touch on a few (laughs) things along the way and then matthew luke and john they all basically slow down from like a page per month down to a page per hour when it comes to mm-hmm. the actual, the, the passion week. Yeah. And I think yeah. that should be instructive for us that the gospel writers really want us to pay attention to what happened during passion week because it's meant to be instructive for us. It's not about the story. What we need to do is ask, what does it look like to embody the way of Jesus in his road to what we call Redemption Hill, Golgotha, like how, how is Jesus living out what we're supposed to be doing in this moment? And how it, how does it, how does it show us God's passion? Like, you know, we talk about passion is suffering, but how does it show us God's passion for people and his passion to see the kingdom come and what he's willing to go through for it and slowing down to the point where you're, you're reading it and getting into the lives of the people and imagining you know, this had to be a formative experience for each of those disciples. Mm-hmm. And you know how emotion creates memory. I think that yeah. that's what happened here is all of them, their whole lives slowed down that week is they, they're imagining the kingdom mm-hmm. of God coming in power on Palm Sunday it being dashed by Friday and then a whole new paradigm opening up on Sunday. It just, it transformed everything. And that's why yeah. we have so much written on those three. Now, Peter in his gospel of Mark, he he doesn't like because he's like he's such a succinct writer like he just kind of does you know passage after passage after passage so that the passion week is pretty fast but that's just yeah. Peter's writing style yeah. I think more than anything yeah it just flies through and that like Mark reads like that too yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah I like that I've never I haven't thought about that before but just like noticing even how how the writing slows down and how more time is spent on that like last week than the whole thing mm-hmm. yeah um all right so pivoting a little bit um so you as you were speaking about like the necessity of pain um and how pain isn't always a bad thing for us um even though it's something that we always try to avoid and you know as enneagram sevens we're like pros at this um just like really good at avoiding pain all the time. Um, but you had said um, that like pain sometimes like is from God um, and that there was like pain in the Garden of Eden 
that felt a little like what to mm-hmm. me um I, I think just because it like I connect it with like pain equals sin and there's like no sin in the Garden of Eden until after the fall anyways that was confusing to me um it just like made me pause so I'd love to just hear you like can you just dive into that a little bit talk about what you mean by that and then like what you mean by pain and then is it different from just having like good work to do yeah talk about that yeah um i think as i was preparing it surprised me as i was working through this um there's there's one verse in revelation 21 it says there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old Mm -hmm. order of things has passed away and um and that's that's following he will wipe every tear from their eyes it's this vision of god restoring all things and this is an important very important vision for what the eschaton looks like that next age will be fundamentally different but it will also be fundamentally similar to our experience now Mm -hmm. we will be living in a real world and this earth will be made new as it becomes one with heaven yeah and in this new reality we will still have bodies they will still embody space and time um and we will we will have there will still be restrictions to our reality that we have we've imagined some like superhuman existence Mm -hmm. but i i don't think that that's what like we will still be contained within the embodied existence Um, yeah just like when i learned that it was like I felt so much better about, <laughs> about like, what heaven was. I think yeah. It just like helped to be like, oh, I'm still gonna like have a. It just like helped it to be a little bit less like I'm just gonna be out there, all alone, forever. You know what I mean? It's a helpful even just to like think about it in that that way. Oh, I, I lost got it. the gist of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, uh, but but I think that like to think about the reality of existing in a body in the next experience beyond this world. Um, mm-hmm. What comes with that is we will continue to grow and become more mm-hmm. like God. Yeah, and that feels weird because we imagine this um, this new reality where we will have become everything. But what we see is that um, we will have work, we will be in a city, and it will be it will be abundant like the garden in that it will have everything that we need in terms of we won't need shelter like we do now. We won't need um, fruit and food, and it'll be prepared for us. It'll be, we'll be cared for, but we will continue to have work of creation alongside God because that's mm-hmm. what God does, and that's how God made us is to take the things he's entrusted to us and turn them into things. And that's what we did in the garden before the fall was we were participating in his world building of, of naming and experiencing and discovering and, and recreating things. And so I, all of those things are going to continue to exist. And the type of pain that I'm talking about is the pain of transformation. We Mm. will have to continue to leave behind old things and take on new things as God reveals himself to us in his fullness. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and what we, there will still be work and work has some level of, I exert myself and experience the loss of that power within me. 
and then I must recover from it. And so there will be work in the kingdom of God and there, um, there will be rest in the kingdom of God and it'll be an eternal kind of rest, but it'll also have rhythm of rest. And Mm -hmm. so when I'm, when I'm talking about pain, I'm saying that, um, when we, if we want to continue to move towards God, it always requires us to be formed in his image rather than just being what we are. And I think that that's the reality of, uh, I, it, C.S. Lewis has a vision that's different than what I think that the, the vision of the Bible is. But I, in The Great Divorce, he imagines um, that, that the main character is walking towards the celestial kingdom. And walking on it feels like um, knife blades piercing through his feet because he's not yet prepared for that place. It's just so vivid and so wonderful and so overwhelming that his body isn't prepared. And so just like when you and I walk, our feet are being calloused and created for the experience. Like summer's coming, we're all going to put sandals on and our feet are going to be raw until they get calloused up. That's what it's like. There will continue to be that sort of pain where we're being shaped. Um, Not the sort of pain that comes from the the destruction and suffering of this world and from the battle, the spiritual battle that's being waged in this reality, but it'll still have work and pain and difference, you know, Mm. than what's next. Yeah. So you mean like the pain won't be like, it's not going to be like evil in the world pain. It's just like pain because we're being challenged and we're growing pain. Yeah. We're, we're Is that what you mean? working. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the pain of work, not the toil of work, but the pain mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. That's different. I like to think that's a, yeah. Interesting thing, thing to think about. And I, and I'm not writing it. Actually, my uh, one of my seminary professors is his wife is watching right now, and so Adrian, Adriana, don't tell Doctor Vito about this, or tell him <laughs> to write me an email, <laughs> correcting me. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I know. I've read a lot. Um, I read some John Mark Comer about that, and that he talks about that too. Um, how like there will be work in heaven and how like work is good um and work doesn't necessarily like equal pain mm-hmm. like pain in the sense of like evil bad like work isn't bad work yeah. is good we're gonna like continue to do it yeah it's, it's much like uh it, there's a lot of pain when i start running because my body isn't shaped for it yet mm-hmm. but then when i run more there's joy in it and the mm-hmm. pain was about me and my formation, not about the toil of the world. Yeah. It was because I hadn't been using my body in the way it was designed to. And I was suffering because I had to come back into shape. And I think yeah. that's the sort of pain we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you connect that now, like back to, as we see Jesus make choices during Holy Week, and as you ask us, like, what are we avoiding what pain do we need to step into? Can you connect like what you were just talking about with formation with that? Yeah. Um, what I, what I wanted all of us to walk away from this last Sunday with was a choice to suffer on behalf of others. And mm-hmm. there's kind of, there's, there's several levels of that. The, the first level is we suffer by doing what is right at the cost of our comfort or our, um, our pleasure. And, you know, as Enneagram sevens, you and I are going to constantly move away from pain and towards pleasure. 
And so that's, that's the constant temptation for us is to step back and not engage and not choose things that are hard. And so when I'm talking about the, the choice of the gospel is to say, I'm going to speak truthfully, even though it may cost me something. I am going to choose to serve you instead of serving myself, and that will cost me something. I'm yeah. going to choose to step in and speak um, to, to push back on evil in the world around me, even though it will cost me something. That's the sort of work we're talking about. And then the second level is I'm going to disadvantage myself for the sake of others. And so I'm going to look at a situation. I'm going to step into my household and say, even though I deserve to get my way, I'm going to choose to help my son do what brings him joy, which is to record this funny little podcast <laughs> about superheroes, you know, like that's not, there's, it's funny and it's cute, but the, the seventh time you do, it's less funny. It's less cute. Um, and, but it brings him joy. And so I choose to disadvantage myself. I look at, um, right now I'm in the middle of, uh, advocating for the, this zoning rewrite in our city. And I think that it will be an important part of creating affordable housing in our city. It costs me something in time and in effort and in even my reputation to say, I think that this is worth pursuing and that it will be good for our city because it means that there will come opposition and there will be people who will, who will label me a certain way, but I choose that because it's important and it's worthwhile. Yeah. So that's the sort of pain that we're stepping into, just like Jesus in the Holy Week, where he marches towards Golgotha rather than away from it. Mm -hmm. He chooses to suffer and die on our behalf. And that's the work every day of the Jesus-shaped journey is to accept the call, to step into the challenge, to move through the cross, the, the death to self, so that we can be alive in Christ and experience the transformation that comes through suffering. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what, what that, like, avoiding and stepping into that would look like for you. No. But you pretty, <laughs> well, you I mean, pretty I, much answered. Is there I, anything else that you, like, are working through right now that you want to share with us as an example? <laughs> oh, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, Malia and I are in a marriage like formation group with some friends. We're meeting on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. We're going through some, some curriculum that's really about attachment styles and about understanding how we love one another. It's, it's a really yeah. great content, but, but the, the work of it is that each week we have to choose to engage with one another and set aside, like at night, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed and exhausted and I just want to vegetate on the couch until I pass out. Yeah. And what she needs and what we need is to choose the pain of like taking my energy and expending it towards one another so that we will be connected and I will allow her to love me and she will allow me to love her. Uh, that's painful. That's hard, yeah. but it produces life. And that's why we do it. When you mm -hmm. choose the hard thing, it brings life. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, that, you know, goes just right back to the Jesus journey, right? Where it's like the cross is the thing that brings life and we can't have the life without the suffering before it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Cool. All right. Well, that's a, 
that's a great spot to wrap up. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to share before we go? Well, I'm, I'm really excited about Sunday and Easter uh, because of what it is and also because it's just great to be with family and friends. And mm -hmm. I want to invite anybody who's watching or watches this later, come join us if, you're, if you don't have a place to be on Sunday. Um, my sister Jessie is going to be preaching and it's just going to be like the first Easter. Uh, God is going to entrust to a faithful woman to tell the world mm -hmm. that the kingdom has come and she's going to do a great job. And then we're going to have some, you know, Easter eggs and a, you know, coffee and donuts and hang out. So we'd love to see you guys. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks for watching and we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks, Robert. Yep. See you. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.